Welcome to the Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm Matt Manicherry, and former NFL scout and currently of Sports Info Solutions, joined by Aaron Schatz of Football Outsiders. Aaron, we are counting down to the beginning of round one of the draft. It is finally here. What are the big storylines that you wanted to talk about as we head in to the home stretch? I feel like the biggest storyline is always which teams are going to end up with uh, with a quarterback because that's a position that we know that you reach for. Uh, we know that this year there's some question about how many quarterbacks are really round one values, but that's not going to stop four or five of them from going in round one. And so I'm curious about which teams are going to go with a quarterback and which teams are going to depend on their old guys for another year or whatever you would call the guys in Washington. They're not exactly old guys. They're just guys. Yeah, and barely that. Um, So what I'm looking at there is Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, to me, they separate themselves from the other quarterbacks in this draft. I don't think that Daniel Jones or Drew Locke is really – I don't think you're basing it on what you've seen on the film. If if your opinion is that those guys – are really worthy of first round picks. They haven't displayed that over the course of their college careers. So, you know, I do think they have a chance, each of these guys, but it still boggles my mind that teams would really be thinking about them ahead of a Dwayne Haskins. It, it really, I don't know why teams would be thinking that. And then in terms of Josh Rosen, I think if teams are talking about spending a number five overall pick on, on a Daniel Jones type thing, I'd much more interested in Josh Rosen for what he's going to go for. So, I mean, think about this. We could come out of tonight. Dave Gettleman picks up maybe Ed Oliver or Devin White at number six. And then say he trades 17 for Josh Rosen. Would that change everybody's opinion of Dave Gettleman just immediately overnight like that? Probably not because Dave Gettleman (laughs) still says and does all of the other things that he says and does. Yeah, you're probably right. It would be good moves. I don't think it changes all the things Gettleman has said in the past. Hopefully they would be good moves, not wasted. But those would be very good moves for the Giants. There's no question about it. I don't think they're going to trade. I don't think they would even need to trade 17 for Rosen I think they could trade maybe the top of the second round yeah 37 for Rosen or trade 17 for Rosen and get something like 65 or you know trade 17 and a fourth and get 33 back something like that that's juicy for me I cannot understand both Dwayne Haskins and Josh Rosen if you're basing it on on uh, you know watching the film and understanding the way the tools that these guys have as quarterbacks they're just much more interesting to me than than your Drew Locks and Daniel Joneses of the world so I'm looking at that and then I'm also looking at Will Greer can he sneak into the first round Yeah, Greer's an interesting guy. He's a guy that our system doesn't like as much because of a lack of experience and because scouts have him down. But if he goes in the first round, then scouts don't have him down anymore. (laughs) And obviously, there are a lot of other systems out there that are are based on a much more recent sample, but are based on more advanced accuracy tracking that really like Will Greer a lot. And he's he's the possible fifth guy. So... Obviously, if you include all those quarterbacks and then you include Rosen, that's six interesting quarterbacks this to tonight uh, that could end up changing teams tonight, or at least in the next day and a half. Could you know by the end of the second round, you're probably going to have those six quarterbacks on new teams, five rookies plus Rosen. It's very interesting to watch because that's the most important position, and that's the position where everything revolves around. Yeah, and staying on that position, just real quick, Kyler Murray, the Vegas odds have changed a lot. There seems to be a real chance in Vegas's opinion that he drops down even past number five. Do you think that's a possibility, and, and how interesting would that be tonight if we start to see the Kyler Murray slide? 
Well, it's interesting because the question is, is everybody else as interested in Kyler Murray as Cliff Kingsbury is, right? I mean, if if they don't take him with Arizona, which other team is particularly interested in him? Right. But you could I, see Oakland trading up and grabbing him, too. I, I think. They don't even need to trade up. They could be at number four and grab him. It's possible. It, I was it, saying they, trade up to number one, potentially. Yeah, 49ers and Jets, if the Cardinals don't take him, and the 49ers and Jets take defensive players, then he's right there for the Raiders at number four. Now, if they really want him, do they take that gamble or do they trade up to one and make sure that they get him? I don't know. But if they don't take him number one, it's hard to see him dropping past four. So, you know, I spent a lot of years in New Orleans. And when we were, you know, I think back of the draft where it was A.J. Green and it was uh, Julio Jones and just all kinds of defensive talent, Robert Quinn, guys coming off the board like that. Um, And we had Drew Brees. And when you have a quarterback – and you see a draft like that, you're just begging. You're hoping that the teams in front of you are going to pick Jake Locker and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's really interesting looking at the teams that were sitting there in kind of the, the 7, 8, 9 range that didn't think they were going to get one of those top five kind of blue chip defensive line prospects that, that I really love. You know, the Quinnen Williams, Ed Oliver, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, Montez Sweat. Um, those are the guys that I really think separate themselves. Obviously, Sweat has the health issue that, that makes it different. But if – all of a sudden, Drew Locke and, and Daniel Jones, if these guys do get drafted early, then those teams are the teams that I think are really reaping the benefits because then I think those picks become much more valuable relative to what you were expecting if kind of the guys go in line and the quarterbacks don't go. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see. The trades are always interesting. That's why mock drafts are so hard. You know, Impossible, people yeah. love mock drafts. God, people love mock drafts so much. Yeah, it makes I mean, me not a person. the most accurate one puts the right player on the right team like, 30% of the time. Yeah, it's, it's probably an exercise in futility, but I guess people are super interested in it. Um, you wanted to talk about one more thing before we get out of here quickly, and that was the big trade that we saw for Frank Clark going to Kansas City. Um, what do you think of that one? It's hard to look at the Frank Clark trade without looking at the D Ford trade in the Absolutely, Diffin. yep. And essentially what the Chiefs have done is swapped out D Ford for Frank Clark but what that cost them was a first-round pick, right, number 29 overall, and mm-hmm. a lot of money. Okay, D. Ford has 19.7 guaranteed at signing and 33.3 total guaranteed. Uh, Clark has 43.8 guaranteed at signing and 62.3 total guaranteed. So depending on how long these guys are on the team, right, like – it costs a lot more to have Frank Clark than it does to have D Ford. Now Clark is three years younger. And uh, one reason I've heard given for this trade is Clark is more experienced in playing in a four, three, and he fits a four, three better than, than Ford who's used to standing up, but Ford's going to be playing in a four, three in, uh, in San Francisco. So San Francisco clearly didn't think that was that big a deal. And I think that the, uh, the idea that a 4-3 edge rusher is that much different from a 3-4 edge rusher, uh, I mean, yes, there's a little bit more dropping into coverage if you're a 3-4 edge rusher, but I don't think the difference is really that big. So it's hard, even if you think Clark is the better player, it, this a real, they really gave up a lot to switch from Ford to Clark. And then if you, if you look at the hurries count from SIS from last year, Ford was like 47 hurries or something, and Clark had like 33 and a half. 
Yeah, there's uh, both of them were really good players in terms of the, their ability to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, I think so. A few things there to unpack. If you're comparing this in terms of who won the trade, I think it's a no doubt about it. The Seahawks won the trade. I think they they traded away a player that they couldn't afford to re-sign. They got great value in return. Um, obviously, you know, it hurts to lose a very good player, but when I look at the chiefs and what they did is they traded a first round pick for the right to pay Frank Clark, a market level contract. And anytime you're doing that, you're trading a pick to just sign somebody to a market level deal. You're inherently not getting any surplus value out of the contract with them. So it better be one of the best players in the NFL at their position. I think Frank Clark is very good, but I don't think this is Khalil Mack. I don't think this is Aaron Donald. And so I I think that um, if you're going to give away an asset just for the right to sign somebody, it's got to be that level of player. It's got to be your Odell Beckham type player. And meanwhile, look at what the Browns said. They got even better than that from Odell because they already had him signed without even having to give a a bonus. So that was the win-win right there. But so in terms of who won the trade – I think it's a no, I think there's no doubt about it. And then you add in a couple of the character questions that go along with Frank Clark. And it's like, can the chiefs really afford to, to bring, you know, I went on the radio in Kansas city and they really brought that to my attention. I hadn't thought about it too much. That's not something that the chiefs can really afford to be doing more and more of there. Um, now, schematically, I do think we've talked a little bit about Spags. I worked with Spags in New Orleans. We tried to fit a square peg in the round hole and have him use Greg Williams' defensive players and fit it into Spags' scheme. It doesn't work. You need guys that can play in his scheme. And he does want an end that can line up over the tight end and really dominate him in a way that, you know, D Ford's going to be more of your wide nine, uh, seven technique guy. He's not going to come in on a six technique. He's not going to be able to play that five technique. Right. Clark reminds me more of Justin Tuck. So you, can, you, you have more of that versatility, and the versatility really is very important to Spags, really truly being able to play the run like that and, and, get, and play those inside gaps and not just on an edge. So I do think there's something there. But to your point, yeah, most of the time, nickel is base. So, I mean, you're going to be playing on the edge most of the time anyway, really, in the modern NFL. So I, I agree with you to some extent there, though I do understand why. And I, I honestly, I'll give credit to the Chiefs because they're trying to get their defense together to win right now. And I think it's the right thing to do while they've got Patrick Mahomes in his window. I mean, this could be a bad deal and they could win the Super Bowl anyway. Right. The both can be true. Well, because at that they're point, they're going to have one of the top offenses in the league. And, and if their defense improves, right, and you, you, we all figure the Patriots are taking a step back, that the Chiefs could be the team. But, but that wouldn't make this. It's really when you look at it in conjunction with the Ford move, they paid a lot to go from Ford to Clark. Right. Well, I mean, certainly if it, if it works out for them, then we'll say um, they did a good job and we'll give them credit and we, and we won't question anything at that point. But I, I do think it's something, if this was a team that was not in their window, we would say patently this is a bad move because they're in their window and they're perceiving that we can both, I think, swallow the fact that we think that value wise, they didn't get the better, better end of the deal. Yeah, it's remarkable to me. Like, I understand the ages are different. The positions are different, but the wide receiver is a pretty valuable position. It's remarkable to me that Antonio Brown is worth a third and a fourth, and Frank Clark is worth a first and a second. 
All right, we are going to get out of here. We told you we would keep it short today, but we will be back for tomorrow morning. You will wake up and you will have our podcast available, a special Friday edition of the Off the Charts podcast. Aaron and I are going to stay up late tonight. We're going to be breaking down all of our reactions to the first round. And as you're on your drive in tomorrow morning, that'll be ready and queued up for you with Justin burning the midnight oil on the production side over there. So please check that out. Um, Have a great first round tonight, and we will be back tomorrow. 